All right, mate, we've got to do an intro here. So uh, if you fuck it up, this is what's going to happen. <laughs> one right? take Tony. That's right, what they call it. One take Tony. Ask hey his there. wife. Hey there. This is Taz. And I'm Jai. And you've stumbled across the Pub Ammo Podcast. The Pub Ammo Podcast is an escape from the everyday grind, all you hardworking sloggers encounter. With a bit of facts and a knowledge and a shitloader, you might have to Google it, we've got you covered. So if you like pub stories, folklore, plus getting out fishing, hunting, just having an all-round go, we've got the podcast for you. Plus we're selecting some interesting guests to yarn with that'll fill your ear hole. So if you listen to Yarns with Az and Taz, or the Taz Yarns podcast, you'll know what to expect. But if you're a virgin like me, hit that subscribe button on your podcast app and bloody well hold Hold on. on. See that? We put pressure on ourselves. We fucked this up like five times, but we but got it, it now. It sounds good. It's confidence. Look Even at if that. You say something wrong. Fuck yeah. With confidence. Yeah. No one notices. That's right. No one has a fucking clue. They're still listening. Story of my life. They're still listening. <laughs> Welcome everyone to the Pub Emo Podcast. Welcome. Volume two. <laughs> Volume two. It's the second yeah. one. Second one ever. How do you feel? Oh, a bit nervous. <laughs> nah. Not even. Yeah, Not so a chance. Today we've got a special guest. It's our first ever guest. So um, we've got Nathan Ravenscroft on here. So ching ching with the beers. Cheers boys. Ching ching. Good to have you on board, mate. Good yeah. to have you on board. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. No, absolutely. Anytime, anytime. Now, um, I guess we're going to start with a bit of history. Sure. You. I know a lot of everyone bombards you about questions, hunting and all that sort of stuff. But we want to know a little bit more about you as a bloke. Sure. Where'd you grow up? Where are you from? What have you done? How the bloody hell did you end up sitting on the other side of the table from us? <laughs> well, that, that's a really good question. Oh, look. <laughs> yes. Who knows, I question but... that every day. Oh, <laughs> hey, I know how it happened. I, I got a gun that wouldn't fire and he had to help me. <laughs> Is that a sexual connotation under there, or what? Are we talking oh, firearms? It's a uh, low test. Low yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shoot, fire away. Uh, so I grew up in Adelaide, um, which uh, is quite at odds with what I do up here. But um, I didn't much in Adelaide, nothing particularly extraordinary there. Yep. Um, pretty standard sort of childhood. Um, <laughs> lots of sports, lots of hobbies, always liked the outdoors, full yeah, cool. driving, yep. shooting, that sort of thing. And um, yeah, um, got to be 18 years old and uh, decided that I'd had enough Adelaide and joined the army. So uh, okay. pretty much first major job out of school and then what was going to be a four to six year gig turned into 21 years and all over Australia and the world. And then, uh, yeah, uh, from there decided to um, leave that job and end up in North Queensland. So, yeah, so been here in, since. Were you in uh, infantry? And in a couple of different jobs there. So I joined as a digger first, did a couple of years as a combat engineer yep. and then uh, changed over, yeah, and became an infantry officer for the, the major part of my career, yeah. Oh, nice. Hmm. And 21 years, that's a long stint in the military. Yeah, it's longish, and yeah. my shoulders and my back and my feet tell me that. Yeah, 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 yeah. every morning, every, every morning, morning, especially the cold mornings. That's especially right. Especially the cold mornings, yeah, That's 100%. Right. Coming out of the military, how have you gone? How have you adjusted? Well, it's interesting. I think the transition from a long career in any role uh, can be a bit of a challenge, and I uh, had a little bit of long service leave, so I was quite fortunate there that I could take a bit of a punt and start my own thing, and yep. uh, yeah, did that, and uh, so far, so good. So, haven't changed those yet, and I'm still doing it. So, yeah. That's the one. That's now, the you've one. traded a uh, military career for well, something well, similar-ish. Ish. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, tell us what you do. 
So uh, when I got out, I, I started a little uh, company called Feral Vertebrate Reduction Contracting. Um, so b- having been a passionate hunter and outdoorsman my whole life, figured there might be a market for that, uh, particularly up in this neck of the woods. So um, started working on uh, some qualifications there, focused a little bit more on the conservation land management angle as opposed to just directly being a shooting business. Yep. Uh, yeah, and pretty well from uh, there, it's uh, it's turned into what it is now. So It's snowballed. You uh, men- a little bit, yeah. Yep. Yeah. You mentioned to us before, you're busy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're busy. Yeah. I, don't, I don't really... Not much downtime. Don't really know what a holiday looks like, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah last yeah. time I seen you was, what, about four months ago, and you were heading out on a stint, and I think you got back a couple of days ago. Yeah, it's pretty much been like that this year, or last couple of years, so, yeah. Not a lot of gaps, lots of work, lots of places, lots of people. It's been good, so... You get to see a lot of the country, though, aren't you? Yeah, some awesome places, and that's probably the the biggest part of what I do is the places, the people, the adventure. Um, it's not really about the trigger pulling side of things too much, no. but uh, you know, I mean that that's an obvious benefit and it's enjoyable, but that's not really what it's about. So, no, yeah. but seeing those parts of the country because we spoke about this just last week, actually, how lucky we are in yeah. Australia. A lot of people don't realise how privileged we are to have what we have on our back doorstep. Whether it's North Queensland, whether it's West Australia, it doesn't matter where it is. And so many people don't get out there and see it. Oh, 100%. That, uh, couldn't agree more. The uh, the opportunity to get out and be where the wild things are, that's that's really what it's about. You know, wind in your face, you know, rifle at your side, it's good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Especially and the wind off a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> let's be honest, most of us don't get to see it the way you see it. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's potentially a little less traditional form of hunting, but... Uh, uh, hun- yeah, it's, uh, it works. None less enjoyable, though. Yeah, no, it has its moments. It's yeah. got to be a buzz. It's got to be a buzz. It Hanging is. out the side of a Robinson, you know. Yeah. Now, look, the aerial shooting side of things is certainly, um, you know, one of the more fun aspects of what I do. Yeah. Um, yeah, no doubt about it. I'd consider and pretend it isn't, but I'd just be flat out lying. So <laughs> Absolutely. I'm not going to go there at all. You. No. We would not believe you at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so there's a few questions with um, when you fire your, your shells, how do you keep them from ejecting out of the helicopter? Well, it depends. There's a couple of things you can do. You can run a catch bag on the rifle. Um, I'm not a huge fan of those, so they cause a lot of mechanical um, malfunctions, um, you know, bouncing back off the bag itself into the ejection uh, port, etc. So also very hard to clear your weapon properly. A lot of other people would disagree with that, but um, if you're shooting high volume, then, you know, it's simpler not to run one. So we run deflector plates a lot yep. of the time on our weapons, so they do eject out, but they eject flat and forwards, so there's no chance of, yep. um, you know, coming back inside the airframe. And the reason that's important is as soon as you get a you know potentially a shell casing or something similar rolling around in an airframe and it gets under pedals or anything like that and yeah. uh, there's a significant risk of that going you know awry so all oh, right so yeah so they still just go out pretty much straight out yep not collected no that's all right yeah because i um i was up in a helicopter i did did the same sort of thing what you do without it without a gun <laughs> we just we just so it's, it's not the same thing at all oh Tate, we did so we actually saying, harassed it? fucking pigs we nearly <laughs> We nearly landed on top of them. <laughs> sounds, like, sounds, sounds like a night out in Cairns for me. <laughs> Nathan knows the person I was with, so <laughs> we were harassing them. And, and um, yeah, so he said, I had my GoPro, and he goes, oh, if you let go of that GoPro, he goes, it's a long walk home. Because <laughs> yeah. we go straight in the back tail rotor. And <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Is the aerial shooting, you know, say, if you were to work out a percentage of your year of what you do, yep. how much of that would be taken up by aerial shooting? It's hard to put it in that sort of frame. It's more um, how it applies to each job. So 
a big job aerial shooting might be 30 or 40 hours in my context yeah, okay. uh, in one hit and then depending on uh, weather and other variables that might be three or four days depending on you know how hard we can uh, we can sort of go yep um on a good sort of period of weather and um you know the right sort of conditions around the place etc you're probably looking at around you know it's daylight 10 to 11 hours a day we'll punch out shooting wow yeah, in, in one hit. So it's pretty much we stop, refuel, rebomb ammo, and then back up again. And away you go. Yep. Far out. Yep. How many rounds are you going through in a day like that? Depends, again, on the, the spot. So if okay. we're real high volume, you know, um, you know, a, a job I did last year, uh, 30 hours, was around 1,200 pigs. Um, quite a few horses and dogs yep. and cats as well. So, you know, um, we tend to average, depending on uh, where you're shooting, so tree country, Anything under three rounds an animal is good. We tend to shoot around 2.2 to 2.4. Yep. Um, if we're shooting open country, then it's normally 1.1 to 1.2 rounds per animal. So, And then we double tap bigger stuff. So. Imagine yeah. if that was me. It'd be 500 rounds per animal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a certain charm to a belt-fed machine gun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And uh, favourite animal to chase? What? What? If you could chase anything on the planet, because I'm assuming you've probably done a bit of hunting overseas and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I've done Africa and New Zealand. So. Yeah, I, I figured as much. Yeah. So your favourite favourite animal to chase, and, and not just from a trophy perspective, but something that really makes you think and you have to work for to find. Yeah, that's an interesting question. So um, a couple of things blow my hair back. So I've always really enjoyed um, deer stalking uh, from the point of view of not necessarily pulling the trigger, just being out there. It's yeah. a good activity. There's a lot of watching. Um, there's a lot of thinking when you do it. A lot of it. patience. Yeah, that's right. A lot right. of patience. Yeah. Um, yeah, you might see um, you know, a couple hundred animals and not pull the trigger. Um, we certainly did that a lot in New Zealand. Yep. Um, from an Australian point of view, I'd probably have to say water buffalo. You know, they're, they're fantastic. Yeah, okay. Um, but not not with a three hundred eight out of a car. You know, up close and personal. Nitro Express double rifle. Oh. Type of thing. <laughs> That's how it should be. <laughs> Dislocate your shoulder. <laughs> yeah, but well, pretty much a three oh eight. You need to put about ten shots in with a three oh eight, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's right. You, know, you need a couple with a four seventy nitro. So. <laughs> yeah. What size round would that be? How how round four? Uh, so four seventy nitro normally runs a five hundred gram projectile. So yeah. think rough ballistics of a four five four five eight wind mag, about the same. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yep. yep. So like. How would you say if you something was in their car or something they were looking at, what would it look like, the projectile? Uh, pretty close to a whiteboard marker, just a little bit smaller. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that for the case and yeah. Yeah. cartridge and projectile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, yeah, 500 grain is pretty standard for that sort of stuff, yeah. and, and it goes up from there into the realm of silly if you really want to go there. But yeah. uh, So you use ga uh, gas exchange so it doesn't bump your shoulder as much? Or? <laughs> no, no, you've got to do it traditionally, so you just... <laughs> That's the way. Do it. Suck it up. Suck it up. Yeah. You just Good shoot man. them. You just shoot them standing and roll with it. Yeah. 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 Roll backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then. Yep. Nice one. And if you um, managed to secure any good trophy bulls? Yeah. Over the years, the I've shot quite a few good buffalo. So, yeah. Excellent. Uh, I've got a couple of good mates with some fantastic access in the NT. So. Yeah. Yeah. Really enjoyed that. Um, I, I sort of I've doubled in all areas of hunting over the years, and I enjoy all of it. Like wing shooting's great fun. Yeah. Um, I love bow hunting. Um, you know, I'm back into trad bows at the moment, so I'm yeah, doing okay. a fair bit of that. Um, yeah, there's really sort that's of, a real art form, bow hunting. Yeah, it, it can be. I mean, you look at some of the, the modern compounds and that these days, and you know, essentially they're string guns. But they are. Yeah, you know, you don't need. They're phenomenal, aren't they? So oh, I've, I've amazing tech. I've got yeah. a, a yeah. Garmin sight on it's worth more than the bloody yeah. bow. Yeah. But the thing is, you you pull back on the reticle and you 
you're trying to line up and press the button and sh it's trying to give you the reticle height and you're like is it 20 i don't know it looks about 30 and you yeah yeah it doesn't it doesn't work too well, that well that often you just need to have your set points and just yeah. go between them yeah sometimes simple is better with that yeah. Gear, right? yeah. yeah yeah and so i think too that it's been good in the bow hunting circles because i do a little bit not enough but i do a little bit there's been a real resurgence of the traditionalists using the recurve bows as well yeah you ever played with the recurve yeah so that's what i'm using at the moment is it? yeah so i've got one of uh, the uh, south cox's stalker stick bows yep um nice little 55 pound rib and yeah perfect uh, yeah, run 550 grain arrows and she goes straight through a pig, no worries. So. They, they really do, don't they? Yeah. I think a lot of people, when you first start dabbling in bow hunting, you're, you're looking for big poundage and big yeah. weight and you think that's what <laughs> you need, but then all of a sudden that's right. you start you sacrificing. Arrow. Yeah, you can't <laughs> find arrow, you start sacrificing accuracy and other things yeah. and it's not needed. No, that's right. And I think nowadays with the advances in broadheads and you know forward of centre um, weightings on your arrows and that sort of thing, you know, what you could do yesteryear with a 55 to 60-pound bow, you can do now with a 40-pound bow. Exactly. So, you know, and you, as you said, you're better off with a lighter poundage if you want good form and good accuracy. So, yeah, yeah, I hit one down the back of the farm here, and I shot it, and I thought I'd miss it because it ran off. The arrow went straight through it. I'm, you, when you shoot them, you're expecting it to stick out of the pig and then just run off with this arrow, and yep. it's like, nah, it's straight through, it's gone. Yeah. Well, that's right. If it's done right, it is. It's yeah. in one side, out the other, and two holes, and that's right. they shouldn't move that far. No, nah, it went about 10 metres and fell in a drain, yeah. So I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> and you've, you said you've earlier you've been in North Queensland now for six years-ish? Um, no, longer than that. So I was posted up here quite a bit with the military. So I did quite a bit of time in uh, Townsville and Cairns um, yeah, okay. with that. Um, and then a little bit of time uh, while I've been working with the, the business uh, still up in Cairns. And then we bought the base out of Manor Creek. So yeah, I've been uh, around this sort of neck of the woods um, yeah, for the last six odd years. But yeah. Um, and why Manor Creek? Why the Cassowary Coast? Um, just a real attraction to the region so um it's got everything you want here awesome fishing um doesn't it what oh yeah <laughs> rainforest you know um where we are we're sort of half rainforest half paddock so we dabble a bit in cattle and and muck around so you know it's just it's it's just a lifestyle you it know, is it's, isn't it yeah, it's something you can't get in the city it's while so we're all here that's 100 percent. yep yeah yep. and and i guess the handy part about somewhere like innisfail mina creek kansas is only a stone's throw that's right if you desperately need something, or even a night out or something like that, you can yep. just buzz up the road and, and you get the best of both worlds. So that's right. Them, the international airport is an hour away from us. That's right, like, exactly. Well, it yep. used to be one, I don't know if it still is anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Along with all the waterfalls, all the features. That's right. Wherever yeah. it comes for holidays, we live. Yeah, so. exactly right. Yeah. Um, you like the spearing? You like the water? Look, I love my spearing. Yep. But if I'm honest, the talent's not quite there compared to the shooting. So. Oh, welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got, you've just booked yourself a ticket on my boat. That's, exactly That's right. right. As long as I'm not planning on bringing any fish back, should be good. <laughs> no, no. It's all about the rubbish talk. That's, That's all right. it is, mate. That's good right. banter. Yeah, excellent. You got a boat? Uh, we do at the moment. So yeah. we, um, we've got a uh, sailing catamaran uh, for work. So... Without going on a, a deep dive into the, the randomness of things that I get up to, um, I do a lot of sea turtle nest predation work, and I work in some fairly remote areas, so um, the idea was to live off the sailing vessel um, while I'm doing a lot of work up on the Western Cape. Brilliant. Did that last year, worked really well. Did it? Yeah, Did. okay. Um, but the, yeah, it's an interesting thing. It's, um, there's not a lot of options for, you know, where you put a boat like that on the Western Cape. There's no mm. marinas, there's no... 
there's not a lot up there. No, um, that's right. So it was it was a good year. It was a good opportunity to test your theory out. Probably not going to do it next year. Oh, really? Um, no, I'm just going to head in a little bit of a different direction shortly. But, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so she's a 43-foot catamaran, so it's been awesome. Um, we've sailed around the top of Australia a couple of times in it now. So. Well, that's worth the price of admission, isn't it? Absolutely magic, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, loosely called it work, so, you know, that's what's better. Exactly. Yeah. You got, did you get up through the Torres Strait at all? Did we did, yeah. 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 yeah, not not the whole way up the top. I've been up there a few times yep. on uh, on other boats, but, um, no, we uh, we sort of went around the lower parts and some of the really cool spots, Mount Adolphus Island and, yeah. you know, yeah, through all that. It's, yeah, it's a nice country. Again, it's, it's those places that so many Aussies don't get to see. That's right. Oh, that's that right. Western Cape, oh. that's, that's barren. Fishing Central. It is. Yep. <laughs> and and uh, you bloody, uh, bloody big scale on that. Yeah. All along there, like a kilometre off the coast, you can catch any size big scale you want yep. in yep. about five metres of water. Yeah, it's about as pristine and remote as you can get nowadays in Australia. Like it's, yeah. it's pretty hard to find a spot like that anyway. Yeah, from the tip down to Normanton, yep. you can pop into just about any river along that coastline and yep. you're going to have the fishing session of your life. Absolutely. I don't yep. think it will be any better. And, and that's not just Australia-wide. I'm talking planet-wide. Yeah, that's right. Mm. It is. That's right. Unbelievable. And then you get those little uh, those little moments, those little cliches of nature that occur, and all of a sudden, like, you, you come onto a rock bar there and there'll be 30 barrow hanging off it, and you can literally reach in and grab one if you want. Like that, <laughs> you can't explain it to people until no. you've seen it, but no, it happens. That's right. Yeah, it's, yep. it's awesome. Yeah. And there's so many river systems down that west side of the Cape that feed into different tributaries, different inlets, floodplains, all that sort of stuff, starting right up the top all the way down through, like you said, Scarden River. Yeah. You know, you've got um, the the Love, the Kirk, the Holroyd coming down Jackson the coast. Jackson Dayboy. That's exactly yeah, all right. all that country, yeah. And they're all, they've all got something to offer. Oh, they're all just magical. And like that, there was one night there we pulled into the Dayboy River um, just in small boats. And... Um, I think in a two-hour fishing session, I emptied my entire tackle box of lures, and just I got that sick of catching mangrove jack. You know, trying to catch something else to yeah. you know sneak a lure past them. You know, yeah. it's just about impossible. But you know, it's a life we live. So yeah, yeah it's tough. Feel sorry you're, for it's you, a mate. Tough, yeah, yeah, that's right. If you're looking for sympathy, on <laughs> lures are expensive. You know? <laughs> if you're looking for sympathy on this channel, you're not going to find it. But you're really not. I'm starting to get that impression. <laughs> lures are expensive unless you claim them on tax. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. But yeah. up, up that way, I, I find a lot of the um, squidgy-style lures now, or everyone's using the soft plastics. Yeah, people seem to love them, eh? Mm. Well, they uh, really get into those. But I uh, have to admit, I'm not really a, a lure fishing expert. I'm still a bit of a fan of the old hard bodies. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they seem to do it. Well, anything, you can throw your shoe in up there and you'd do all right. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my fishing up there is, like, lure fishing's all right for a little bit, but I want to go get some live bait. And sit down on a spot you can drink bulk piss and still catch fish that's, <laughs> that's exactly right. where everyone if you're luring you, you're luring you can't hold a beer it's just too hard to work isn't it? <laughs> oh you might get a sweat up yeah it's, i know that's exactly a significant right. risk of that occurring and otherwise you can go for a troll put your troll out and go for a troll and there's, and then there's sink another bulk 20 piss. beers <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what brought you sorry i'll rephrase that what keeps you doing what you're doing um, the the reason I started it hasn't faded, so um, that desire to be out in the field, um, you know, away from an office in the bush, um, contributing to something bigger, um, that's definitely the the sort of main driver behind it, and it's kind of where I've gone, both from a personal and a business uh, perspective, with uh, with what I do. So, 
definitely a lot more focus on niche issues, um, threatened species, you know, endangered animal management, that type of thing, uh, which invariably, it leads back to doing the same type of work, dealing with feral cats, dealing with feral pigs, um, but the context is often very different. So um, targeting uh, around a threatened species like northern quolls or yep. um, nesting sea turtles yep. and then catering programs to meet those needs. So, um yeah, instead of just broad area, you know, let's go out and sort out the feral animals, it's far more focused on let's go and find where the majority of the nesting sea turtle population is, monitor the entire population along the coast using, you know, potentially indigenous ranger groups uh, and or um, yep. other groups and then leveraging off information that's already there yep. uh, and then targeting based on that and then sort of blending a little bit of tech in there as well. So. Um, obviously when you're doing it um, professionally you, you bring the best tech you can so I run a lot of thermal gear all the time it's um, a way forward isn't it oh it's it's a game changer game changer yeah. 100% if you're not using thermal these days and you're trying to do control you, you're not in the game so yeah yeah. It, um, yeah so blending those sort of approaches doing that from aircraft as well you know, it's um, yeah it's it's interesting um, and, it, and it delivers great results on the ground which ultimately from a business perspective, it's not really about the trigger pulling side of things. It's about planning, preparation, having good gear, and then just getting out there and doing it, and spending the time. So prior preparation prevents piss poor performance. It does indeed, <laughs> and that's what it's about. Yeah, yeah, excellent. I wrote something down here, and I want to get your take on it because I find that media, and we try not to buy too much into what the media says, but you, I find that there's a big difference between ecology, environmentalism. Yep. Environmentalism gets a lot of airplay. Yep. People jump up and down. They scream about this. They scream about that. I find, correct me if I'm wrong, a vast majority of those environmentalists, we will call them, there's other names that people have for them. Greenies. Cunts. <laughs> I'll say it. That wasn't me. That was me. Um, I find a vast majority of those environmentalists, we will say, miss the point, don't they? I think they do. Um I think the intent a lot of the time is good, although not pure, because uh, there's always agendas behind why people are doing things. Um, but I think they're, they're looking for solutions that aren't there. There's no way, uh, particularly in the context of dealing, you know, in my scenario with a threatened species or something like that, where there's an opportunity to have the threatened species and not kill anything to maintain that species. To a lot of the time, I'll get a lot of grief over um, you know, the destruction of feral cats in particular because everyone loves a fluffy cat. But a fluffy cat in the bush has no place. And you know, the reality is you've got to pick one. So you either pick the native animal that you want to keep yeah. in Australia or you pick the feral species. There is no middle ground. And so I think that that's sort of what you're edging out there. You know, they're, they're, it is, yeah, 100%. They're, they're, I find it bizarre that people can even take the feral side. From a from just even from a common sense standpoint, common yeah. sense, but it's also un, uneducated. They're well, just, it is. That's right. They think it? they're educated, but everyone, we always say it, these people in the cities, no idea. It's always people in the cities, but people got to live in cities. That's yeah. that's why they're there. But don't be making the decisions if you haven't been out doing it. Sort of. Well, thing. I think if you don't understand the context, mm. don't make the comment. Yeah. Like yeah, you know take the time to do a little bit of research and certainly that's one of the things I've always done both uh, from a personal perspective with non-hunters and from a professional perspective with you know potential clients and other people on sites and a lot of the ecology guys etc is actually take them out in the field and show them what the impacts are that's and what right. it looks like from the ground point of view that's right you know and sort of blend that theoretical piece with the practitioner piece so that people actually understand what you're doing and why you're doing it 
And, you know, the vast majority of reasonable people when they see that actually swing around and come a long way the other way and actually start really supporting the work that's getting done. So They just yeah. don't take the time to see the other side. That's right. That's the vast majority of the problem. That's it? right. And look, we're all guilty of that. Oh, um, yeah, couldn't agree more. Couldn't yeah. agree more. Because I'm pretty much right all the time, so I don't <laughs> think to ask too many questions about anything, really. But it, it comes no. down to the, the opinion, like, social media is good, but <sighs> the worst thing about social media is it gives everyone an opinion. Yep. It gives it, everyone a platform. Yeah. And years ago, important people had an opinion. That's right. And you listen to them. Yep. Now everyone's got an opinion, and now you've got to filter through all the bullshit to find someone who's got a, an opinion that you agree with. That's right. So it's and a lot of stupid people out there on social media, they love to argue. And, mm. you know, the, they just want to put their point out there, and, you know, the more controversial it is, the better it is because the more, more of a response they'll get. And then you find intelligent people, you stay away from that because, yeah. you know, there's no point arguing with those type of people because they'll yeah. just drag you down to their level and beat you with experience. So, <laughs> you know, it's uh, just how that goes, isn't it? Like, <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. You strike me as very much the thinker. Sometimes. Well, <laughs> When we try it, yeah, do you try to be okay? Yeah. Uh, you've gone to uni for any environmental studies, science, all that sort, or is it majority of the stuff you've done is field based, isn't it? It's yeah, experience, so it's just feet on the ground, it's just walking the sticks at night, <coughs> and that sort of stuff. To a point, so I, um, I've done some conservation land management training, so um, and then I've leveraged off qualifications from my military career to essentially kind of fall in a niche somewhere more well and truly more of a practitioner, but able to bridge the gap between um, practitioner and theoretical sort of groups. So, you know, um, I do spend a lot of time writing reports for, um, you know, various organisations which are very much based on uh, my experience on the ground. But as you said, it's mainly field-based um, for what I do. And it's, it's a very strange space from a business point of view because it's, um, it's not regulated. So the only thing that's really regulated... Woohoo! With, yeah. That with, sounds brilliant. Hey, <laughs> sign me up! <laughs> Mate, it, it's good and it's bad because people don't know what to expect. Um, yeah. But um, And there's a lot of different groups out there. So the pro-shooting industry, if you call it that, which is not really how I market, but um, you know, there's, a, there's a wide variance of people out there. There's guys out there who just want to have lots of guns and they'll do whatever they can to you know um, be legitimate enough to get that licensing and then go and do what they do mm. uh and then there's uh guys sort of probably more where i aim uh which is you know love having those tools but they're tools uh, to enable the business activity and the business activity takes primacy and obviously you're chasing results um you're blending with science there's a lot more going on but you know there's a pretty wide spectrum of people out there doing it and i don't begrudge the other guys it has a place but you know, generally more in the ag sector, perhaps, and other places. But, yeah, kind of is what it is in every industry, I suppose. It's, yeah, uh, I see that um, you, I was speaking to you last time, went from Queensland to Northern Territory. You couldn't take certain guns because you weren't, um, didn't have licensing for those guns in those states and stuff like that. Like, how big of a bullshit problem is that? Like, I th well, yeah, we were talking about that before. It yeah, should be a federal thing. It should be a federal You'd think... Would I actually couldn't agree more. So if you're going to have a national firearms agreement between the states, then you may as well just have a federal um, system. Exactly right. Which would make a lot more sense because that is definitely one of the issues in Australia. At, um, that particular example was WA. So I did quite a bit of work in yeah. WA last year and uh, WA is the toughest state in Australia to take anything in, let alone firearms. Yeah, I lived in WA uh, for a while. You're right. <laughs> oh, it's just everything yeah. over there is over-regulated and hard it work. So. Completely. 
lovely place, but oh, beautiful, beautiful, yeah. best beaches in Australia, but hard to work with, yeah. and uh, yeah, no, that's certainly consumed a lot of time. So, no, it's without getting too political around the matter. I, I, yeah, there's definitely a place to do better with how firearms is done in Australia. I think the problem is that. Uh, the firearms industry as a whole doesn't really have a big enough voice and you know I'd love to see that change but mm. yeah there's just not enough collective bodies out there that are willing to push it so yeah, they took them all off us so <laughs> yeah. we had to start start all over again pretty much so I've pretty said well. it I've said it for an extended period of time now with mates that I've spoken to and that sort of stuff it surprises me for a country that is built on the outdoors and 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 exploring and hunting and all that sort of thing their firearms have become so frowned upon yeah, it's an interesting concept, and I think um, you know media has a lot to do with it, mm. and always have. And everyone's got agendas out there, and that's fine. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. But the the raw truths about Australia: we're a big country. We're still largely ag based. Our primary industries are mainly what we do. Uh, and when you're out in all of those places, you know the the whole you know um, city approach to how things are done isn't really valid. And a lot of those constraints yeah. cause a lot of issues for a lot of us. Yeah. And uh, it's just not reality land, but unfortunately, it's how it is. So. Yeah, it is. We we we. I think we we only populate something like seven or eight percent of this country. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a lot of terra firma. That's there's some right. pub ammo for you. There's, 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 there's some useless pub ammo for you. Hey, you like that one? Is, that, is anyone going to Google that and just check that number quickly? <laughs> well, look, it could be right, it could be wrong. But I'm I say stick turn your it. phones off in this, only listen to the podcast and don't get out of, don't go on Safari, no Google. No Google. No, no. You're better off just making it up. If we say it, it's gospel. <laughs> oh, clearly. You know, like Tony's got 10 inches. Gospel. <laughs> Absolute gospel. Cross the eye. <laughs> so what do you do? You... Obviously, you spend a lot of time. You said you haven't had much time off work, and that's sort of, what do you do in your downtime? Yeah, so if, if you had a week off, what would be your jam? If you were to get away and just do something that was just for you, put your heart at rest and, and calm your mind, what would it be? So, I probably wouldn't get away for a week. I'd just spend the week at home would fi- you? fixing fences, <laughs> <laughs> digging up pipes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. slashing tracks. Yeah, you know. yeah, 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 gotcha, yeah. gotcha. And that kind of it's that's your downtime. Yeah, it is. It's, um, it's you a know, good little spot you're in as well. So it's, it's lovely little area. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How many acres you got? Just forty five. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, just the right size. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. How many cattle are you running? Ah, oh, we only got about ten head at the moment. So. Easy. But we sort of we, we dabble in cattle, a little bit of Dorper sheep, got some boar goats, cattle dogs, yeah, all the all the stuff. A little menagerie, <laughs> a little bit going on there. Yeah. How many even? Old you? McDonald. Here. Old McDonald. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you will from this point be affectionately known as Ronald. Um, how many even do you eat? All of them. Excellent. Yeah. What's your favourite? Favourite meat. There you go. Well, that's a great question. Favourite favourite meat, game meat, anything. What have you got? Probably lamb. I'd say. Good man. Who doesn't, a, who doesn't love a lamb roast? I'm a kiwi, mate. I love lamb. Lamb chop? Well, What's not to back, love? I prefer... Do, do you use put lemon on top when you when you do your lamb? Do you I squeeze lemon on, on the roast? I, I struggle with the concept of fruit and meat together. It just doesn't but work. Just, uh, just actually just squeezing the lemon on it. No, I understand you, but oh, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> Still not agreeing. You, you, can't, no. you don't taste it. You don't taste actual like lemon-lemon, but yeah. it just, mate, turns it into a nice flavour. Yeah, I'd still have to call that a hard no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I don't like pineapple on pizza. So no, that's unex- that is unacceptable. No. Yeah. Yes. I feel yeah. like I'm an island right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can put some Captain Pineapple on there. Yeah, I, I've got to be honest. We got some pizza just the other night. I got, I got a tropical one. Had pineapple on it. Uh, it wasn't yeah. amazing. I've got to be honest. No. No. It wasn't that fresh. I made a mistake. Savory, yeah. savory and sweet don't mix. No. So you, with through the hunting and that sort of thing, pigs would probably be a big one. Um, I'm guessing pigs, cats, dogs. Uh, from a work perspective. From a work perspective. Yeah, so um, pigs and cats are probably the, the biggest market uh, now. And cats are probably the the hottest uh, in my neck of the woods conservation issue around. So, yeah, 100%. I mean, the pigs cause a lot of damage and you just got to be on top of that all the time. So there's always pig work out there. But um, from a conservation point of view, cats are just, it is mind-boggling the number of species we're losing and the biodiversity that is just going. As you can hear, we lost a lot of this audio. So we're going to try pick back up exactly... Well, not exactly, but around the area where we were talking, but um, fuck you to Apple Max. All right, let's get back to it, boys. Creatures that, that, you know, Australia has, we have such a unique environment ecosystem here, don't we? We do, and it's it's very, very sensitive to a predator like a cat. So, you know, something that has fantastic eyesight, awesome hearing, uh, can jump, can climb, can smell, has claws, has teeth, can do everything that ours can't. Yeah. Um, a lot of our smaller native species, they just they don't stand a chance. And when you see some of the, the really niche stuff that we have in the bush, our northern quolls, fascigales, those type of Bilbies, things. they got nothing. You know, yep. Yeah, they can't just, they're just lollies to it. Can't hide, can't run. No, yep. can, cannot defeat them in any way, shape or form. And I think um, we're broadly, um, as a uh, society, getting better at some forms of conservation. So lethal control's part of the, the solution to that problem. Yep. Um, but habitat management, definitely better fire regimes, um, you know, um, enabling mosaic burning and that sort of thing uh, really enhances their survivability. But, yeah, on a, honestly, the um, there's no such thing as a good cat in the bush. So probably one message if I can give anyone listening to this podcast, if you've got a rifle and you're in the bush and you see a cat, doesn't matter what you're hunting, shoot it in the face. Shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely couldn't agree more. So the, Even uh, if it's got a bell on it around its neck, it's called whiskers. It was in the bush. It was in the bush. It's fair shouldn't game. Have, shouldn't have been in the bush. Shouldn't have been in the bush. Should have been in the little cat nook on the side of the house. That's where it should have been. So cats obviously have a bigger impact on the wildlife than the pigs do. Pigs are more in, uh, environmental. Well, we, they, we, but we've got to, I've got to find out what's your biggest cat you shot. Yeah, so I think it's around the 12, 13 kilo mark would be the um, the biggest cat I've shot. That was up the cape. So um, very much a, a feral cat, but just large. So very it's big. like nearly as big as a, a medium-sized dog. Uh, yeah, so it was about kelpie size, that yep. one. So, yeah. Bloody hell. That, that tall. Do you buy into these stories down south about the panthers and the big cats and that sort of thing? You know, they're Gimpy Harvey Bay area. They always talk about massive cats. And yeah, look, I, I love it. I, I love, yeah. I love the discussion. You got to have a unicorn, don't you? Oh, you do. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, I want to be the guy that nails one and then yeah, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely gets the photos, mounts it on the front of a Land Cruiser, yeah, 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 yeah. all that. But uh, yeah, look, it, I think there's some plausibility, and certainly I've heard um, some relatively legitimate um discussions around those animals and some fairly hard to explain um kills that have occurred on various properties even up here in fnq um which you know it, it's very obvious when wild dogs kill an animal you know they kill a certain way they eat the certain parts first they come in behind the ribs they'll chew the ass there's a lot of bite marks on the hawks that sort of thing when you've got animals that are killed via a bite over the nose or the back of the head yes. that's cat that's cat mm, you know and, and 
that happens. So. And that goes all the way through to the big cats. Lions, yeah. tigers, they all kill the same way, don't they? Yeah. They're, they're the same predator, different scale, but same predator. That's right. Everything from, you know, your, your kitten nailing a sparrow right up to, you know, your leopard nailing a bloody you know, impala. It's all the same. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you said you've seen them hit um, wallabies as well. I have, yeah. So um, feral cats will nearly target anything. So... On a good year, your feral cat's going to predominantly target rodents and, you know, that, that size animal. But on a bad year, they'll switch to anything. So reptiles, amphibians, um, birds, whatever, you know, they'll uh, they'll get right into it. So, And I, I guess that's one of the, the major issues with why cats are so bad. They can live anywhere. They can target anything. They don't need a lot of water to survive, you know, so they can live in arid environments where a lot of other stuff can't. So they affect all of our biodiversity, not yeah. just small segments of it. Pigs, pigs are much the same too. They're a survivor. <coughs> they are. I mean, pigs are an animal again to be admired. So they, aren't they yeah, smart yeah. animal? Aren't they? <laughs> Intelligent, can live anywhere. They really um, are. P- tough. Pig, yeah, and I, again, like the cats, where the, the fluffy thing at the end of the couch. People have this in, this image in their heads of pigs, babe, pink, yep. curly tail. That's all that right. sort of stuff. And they, they don't realise that. Well, they use 150 babes or something to make that movie. <laughs> That's 150 right. pigs or something. I wouldn't say. Google it, but this is some pub ammo. They use more than fucking one. <laughs> <laughs> they had to eat them every time they copped up. <laughs> but yeah, that babe that says fa la la, yeah, he, he got eaten about thirty times at least. <laughs> <laughs> How many pigs are there in Australia? Ballpark. Oh. What's the what's the estimation at the moment? You'd know. I was going to throw out a bullshit fact, but probably be a bullshit fact yeah I, I, I think that no one knows so um you know they you get various estimates for regions but they're all very very seasonally dependent and you know when, when you look at how pigs work so pigs don't self-regulate their population so they very much run on boom and bust cycles every sow on a good year can have eight to ten piglets twice a year um so it's every sow and every mob eight to ten twice twice a year yeah on a good year um and there's no uh, defined breeding season they can breed at any point so if the conditions are right you can really have a population explosion that's why from a control perspective when you're doing it professionally you've got to kill 70 percent of the entire population at least three years in a row to have any actual defined impact in a or reduction in that population so they're a very tough animal to management from a numbers point of view so that number again 70 percent of the population to have to make a dent 70 percent Three, three years in a row. Three years in a row. Yeah. Yep. So it's almost insurmountable, isn't it? It, it almost is. And, you know, so there's, there's some interesting stuff out there at the moment. There's now a national feral pig action plan, but a lot of these strategies are very much based on um, planning, on information, on toolkits, on frameworks. They're not based on people actually getting out there and getting rid of the problem. Mm. So, you know, well, it's, that's uh, a government trait, isn't it? Let's get another consultant <coughs> in to talk about the consulting that we need to do before we go and consult way, the problem. Um, we'll have to get a new pair of scissors because we've got to cut through a bit more red tape here. Big yeah. scissors. You need big scissors. <laughs> more need some. So, uh, uh, well, I, I actually have a, a fact, and we, we, we run a, a segment called Toast the Fact. We, we actually yeah, we, we toasted actually, we this actually fact. Did it. We so, actually, and, and the um, bottle's empty now, so <laughs> I'm going to run this fact anyway. Well, I we actually have to explain yeah, the, this, how this computer plays up. So we actually to- we, we were talking for probably 15 minutes here, and then I realised that we weren't recording. <laughs> So, so the toast is already gone, but the fact was for you, those, those of you The fact is that home, we're fucking drunk. He's a little half cut now. But uh, a, a sow can have, what did you say? Two, two litres of anywhere up to ten? Yeah, eight to ten, yeah. Yep. And my fact is that a male boar 
can ejaculate about a litre every time. That's nasty. That's, that's, a, nasty. Mouth, that's a mouthful of pork, that is. <laughs> that's something. Like, it really is. And doesn't a, 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 a pig's penis is shaped like a corkscrew? Well, I did hear that. Is that true? I don't really look at pig's Come penises on, very much, so I'm just going to throw that out there. You've had a look. Oh, right. Who, who, was, who was claiming that fact, Tony? Come on. Yeah. Okay, I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's all my bestiality movies on. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing what you can find on the internet. <laughs> the curly penises and us. Now, um, all right, another segment I've got here for you. We better get through because we don't want to keep you here all bloody night, okay? So here we go. We've got, we got 15 minutes of... Stuff that didn't happen. <laughs> That's exactly right. Oh, yeah, we do. So we're backtracking a little bit. Five and five. I've got sure. five questions for you. Take your time. There's no need to rush, but keep it to about a minute each. Favourite round? Favourite round? Three, seven, five, H and H. Hands three, down. Three, seven, five. Really? Yep. All round? You can use it for everything? Absolutely everything. Accurate? Mouse to a moose. Whatever you like. Accurate? 100%. To how yep. far? Uh, depends how good the rifleman is, but... Of um, course, of course. I, um, you so mean, that's hollow point? No, no. Agent. So 375 Holland and Holland. Holland. Uh, the actual round. cartridge. But yep. Yep. Um, you can load with everything from you know, a 200 grain projectile up to a 350 grain projectile. It'll do everything from an elephant down to a rabbit. So, you know, if you had one planet, one rifle, take yep. a 375. Yep. Nice one. What do you find you use the most? Uh, side note. It's not one of the questions, but side note. What do you find? From a cartridge perspective? Yep. In reality, land for work 308. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yep. So it's not my favourite cartridge, but it is very practical. It's very efficient. Yep. Um, you know, and for high volume work, you know, I handload a lot of stuff. I don't handload high volume stuff, so it's all factory bought 308. Is it really? Yep. Wow. I find that interesting. Yep. What rounds do you normally buy? Just a side note, I'll just write this down. <laughs> yeah, no, look, I um I chop and change a fair bit. I um I love a lot of the classic cartridges. So seven fifty seven, I've got a soft spot for that, seven mil yep. rim mag, three hundred wind mag. Um you know, the 6.5s, so I was using 6.5s before they got cool. So um, I used to run a um, 65 by 55 on a Ruger 77 Mark II action. Yeah. So um, you could stoke it right up and it'd beat a Creedmoor. But, um, you know, now the Creedmoor's out, it's a good thing. You know, there'd be a lot of people who uh, hate it because it's a handbag round and it's yeah, you know, yeah. near the fern or foul, but it's actually pretty efficient and really it is accurate. fast so. and flat. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So yeah. anyone can shoot it and... Um, well, I don't know. You haven't seen me shoot, mate. These, yeah, glass, yeah. these glasses just aren't for decoration. So we'll go back a little bit on the layman side of things. You've got, um, point out the bullets, you've got your hollow point, and then you've got your, all the different types of the tips and stuff like that. So You know you talked about rubber holes. We're about to go down one. <laughs> a, de- a deep one, I feel. It's a, a deep, very so deep hole. So can we laymanize that rabbit hole and just put a, like a... Nickel coated <laughs> polymer tip. So, so we, can, we can broadly segment a couple of things here. So... Hollow points, um, sure. Um, good for varmints and smaller stuff where you need rapid expansion. Um, then you go to soft point projectiles, so um, your standard cup and core projectile, which is just gilding metal jacket with a lead core. Um, so that's more your standard pig or deer round or something like that. Um, then you go to ballistic tip rounds. Now, they're pretty much exactly the same as a soft point. They've just got a ballistic tip which initiates expansion and enhances the ballistic coefficient, so they, they fly a little bit more smoothly so less yeah. wind drift less, like less drop. it's slipperier yeah like an sst or a nozzle yeah. ballistic tip something like that um and then you go into all the much fancier stuff so you go into the bonded projectiles um which can be a whole range of different variations on those themes you've got things like nozzle petitions which again are completely different and nowadays you run with the monometals as well so a lot of the uh, projectiles have got no lead in them because uh, lead's obviously a bad thing nowadays so 
uh, made of gilding metal or copper or various alloys and um, no jacket so they're just one homogenous piece of metal and um, yeah they, they're used in a number of roles as well but I mean traditionally for Australia most people are running a pretty standard cup and core projectile yeah. for most things and they're not vastly different in terms of how they perform and it's always been about balancing sectional density and ballistic coefficient against what you're shooting so they're big yeah. words but they're not that hard once you sort of get into it so but on the on the flip side of that too most people aren't getting into these types of things the way that you do my man like if i can hit a barn door at 10 yards i'm happy as long as it's a small barn door sure. well, well. <laughs> all right second question favorite round didn't we, we just, did that we just did that i don't know yeah. The drink. Favourite right. drink. What do you got? Ooh. Righto. If you had to drink one drink for the rest of your life, or if you were going to toast the end of your life, what would it be? It would be a very serious bottle of quality Shiraz. Would it really? It would. With a steak. A very big steak. Probably yeah. a T-bone. Nice and bloody. Excellent. How thick? Are we talking about... Oh, thick. Thick. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be. <laughs> yeah. We um, we talking about Adelaide Shiraz? Barossa? Look, at hard to beat. Perhaps from McLaren Vale. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I'm a big fan of the Grant Burge, not the Shiraz though, the Merlot. The, most of the Grant Burge range is pretty oh, good. They're good, aren't they? It's yeah. hard to go past. That's right. right. Yeah. I'm going to pull yeah. you up here on the red red wines. Apologies. No, no. My, I've got a, I've got a story. I went to me. I've never drank red wine in my life. Hmm. Went to my sister's wedding. She had the favours on the table of her and her husband on the on the uh, as the gift. Yep. For everyone on the table no one took them off the table at the end of the night and because they got married in new south wales it's the wedding finished at 11 o'clock my time so because 12 o'clock they shut the wedding down and i'm like i haven't even started just so i went up. around the tables and just picked up all the bottles off the table and, and they had they had like a, a big bus of 40 people <laughs> got on it cousin and myself jumped on we cracked about seven each sculled them before we got to the motel where we were staying within like half an hour and that's all she wrote i didn't see anyone till the next day i have no <laughs> doubt i have no doubt i don't think that's the way red's supposed to be drunk. i don't recall knocking back seven bottles no, and being no, okay no, ever absolutely, no, 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 absolutely not and the hard part is too here in north queensland is keeping red at room temperature because room right. temperature's the best part of 30. That's right. You know, it's probably one of the only parts in the world where we have to keep red in fridges. That's right. Uh, yep. To keep it good. All right, then. Favourite place in Australia? Ooh, that's really tough. Um, there's a lot of it, and I like a lot of it. We're blessed. We are. Um, but I'm going to have to go with the simple Damatsa here, which is home. You know, um, Cassowary Coast, that's favourite place, yeah. Good man. Good man. North Queensland, everyone. Represent. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's why we're all here. <laughs> Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. All right. Favourite thing in Ooh. Australia? Because you've travelled. Yeah. You've been overseas. You've done... You've had an interesting life so far. How old are you now? 44. 44. Okay. So mm. we're much the same age. You're well-travelled through military and all that sort mm. of stuff. <laughs> Favourite thing about Australia? Uh, the wide open spaces, I think. You know, just the uh, the remoteness, the sparseness, the bigness of the whole place. You know, the um, it, I, I don't think I have a 
um, a particular thing I would put my finger on or, or place in Australia, but it's the, the concept of what Australia is. It's the feeling. It's the feeling. It's the vibe. It is, isn't it? It is. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the best part about it, whether yeah. it's the ocean, whether it's the outback, whether it's the Cape. That's right. That's the thing when I go to like America or somewhere, you, you're in that country and you don't get that vibe. You don't get the vibe of that no. of the country. No, it's not, it, it's not the same. And yeah. I think... You know, you, you don't have to travel very far here to all of a sudden find yourself in the middle of nowhere. And the middle of nowhere is a great place to be. Mm. You know, it is, it? really is. Yep. Yeah. Most, a lot of people don't really understand that concept, but you know, it's a good thing to be. It's good for the soul. It's good for the soul to be out there by yourself. Yep. No one else around. It's great. Bush telly, campfire, yep. a couple of cold beers, That's feed right. up. There's not it. too many better things. Not I've been watching a show on um, SBS called Alone. Oh, I love it. I'm up yeah. to Do you like it? Eight. I love it. It is one of the best shows on TV, isn't it? Yeah. And it's just, I just want to do it. Yeah. But the thing is, fucking, hey, bear. I'm like, fuck, they're like bears every it's like what well, gun yeah different story but these people don't have guns they've got bows no. and arrows at, at best it's <laughs> interesting though you watch a lot of these uh, experts on that particular show who love the environment think they're great they've done all this training and it's usually their head that makes them lose yeah it is isn't it you know they, uh, it's the mental toughness can't deal with themselves mm. so and they'll like some like you watch the start of you think this fella he's he's like very good woodsman he's got everything down and like he's built the best shack out of everyone and you're like shit he's leaving yeah and it's over <laughs> his head because yeah, he misses his family he's yeah. had a, a breakdown didn't you yeah. know you were getting into this yeah. it's called alone it's, called it's not alone. called with <laughs> your friends <laughs> it's not called bring the kids <laughs> i believe there's an australian season coming out shortly yes too. i think that's the current season going on now is yeah. oh, is it already on is it I, well i think no, it's, no, it's february it starts is yeah. it yeah, yeah right. where did um, they do it do you know anyone know? tasmania it was is tassie it? was it mm. really and i see andrew ukles put something up the other day and i, I commented on it <laughs> he um said something about I've been away for a while and I can't say what I've been doing. And, and, and I just wrote back, if you want a lot of money, can I have a loan? <laughs> she says dad joke ever. Subtle. So subtle. Oh, there's a train crash. Yeah. And actually, yeah, yeah. Um, Outback Mike, I spoke to him on this podcast before, on my other podcast before, Tajan's podcast. Check it out, Outback Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I spoke to him. He, he actually travelled in a boat, dug, made his own dugout canoe, travelled to the top of Australia in a dugout canoe. I saw that. I watched that on YouTube. It. And I messaged him the other night because the ad for it came on and the follow talking sounded exactly like you, Outback Mike. And I texted you and I said... That voice sounds pretty much like you. And you said, no, I don't think it's me. And I'm like, are you lying out back, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, su- I'm a little bit surprised they chose Tassie, though. Yeah. Where, where would you have picked? What can you outback. eat down there? Hmm. Outback. Outback wife. Oh, oh, That's a big joint. Look, it is. No, don't get me wrong. It is a big, a big joint. But when you start talking about, like, uh, Central WA, hmm where it's dry and it's dusty. Like so many of the alone uh, seasons have been cold climates. Yeah. There's plenty of water. Yeah, yeah. there's always fish. And water's there's always the thing. Water. There's always fish. There's always water. It might be cold, but if you know what you're doing, you can counteract the cold. Yeah. The desert's a different beast. The thing is, because they, they've got to plop them in such probably an area where they can keep an eye on them, they'd have to plop them 100 kilometres apart because there's just that much open space. <laughs> they run into each other. 
It's called a loan. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. They'll, they won't be a loan. They'll end up... Heck- Meeting up with each other if they put them too if close you want to watch, them outback. If you want to watch Neighbours, that's Ramsey Street. <laughs> <laughs> like, chuck them out in the sticks and see, sack them out in the desert and see yeah. how they go. You want to no, well, I'm just saying how the logistics of holding that, like where they do it up there in Alaska or whatever it is. Or Canada, They're not far apart, are they? They're probably no. only in a 50-mile range and drop them all in that. Because when they press that button, that boat gets there pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> Question five. Last one. All right. Advice for any Australian out there. If you could throw a bit of a bit of a bit of knowledge our listeners' way, what would it be? A tip, a hint, whatever. Yeah, right. Interesting. So, um, my little bit of life advice would probably be um, keep your circle small and do what you like. Good one. I always heard that one. Good one. Hmm. That's a good I one. I like that. Who cares what other people think? Do what you like doing. Oh, and, look, couldn't um, agree more. And um, you know, it's uh, it'll pan out. You know, just find go, a pa- find a passion. Find a passion. Do what you do, and keep at it. And um, yeah, don't worry about having a big circle. Big circles don't work. Small circles are heaps better. Yeah, they really don't, do they? No, not at all. Especially with the advent of social media. Yeah. I don't. I'm not on social media. I don't do the social media thing. And I've been fortunate enough to have the same friends for a long time. No, yeah. until I met this clown. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> um, but. Regretting it. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I think with the ad, there's so many on social media now, so many acquaintances. Yeah. But not friends. That's right. And they're, they're, they're nice, but they're meaningless. And, um, mm. you know, it's, you know, that, that degree of integrity in relationships, that loyalty, you know, that's important. And, um, you know, if you've got that with, uh, with a good circle, keep to it. Couldn't agree more. Yep. Always. Uh, one other fellow said, one, he said, keep your uh, friend circle small and your beer fridge cold. <laughs> is yours cold? Because I'm, Jesus, I'm thirsty. <laughs> hey, because I'm on this so-called 0.05 January. <laughs> oh, that lasted three days. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Would I still have one beer and one shot? You can have two in the first hour. Yeah, I reckon you're, you're mildly winning there. <laughs> <laughs> and it's raining outside, so yeah. they won't be doing breath O's tonight. Oh, you'll be right. I'll be fine. As long as it's not raining men. No, that's exactly right. <laughs> Looking forward, how much longer are you going to do what you're doing? Um, I don't have a plan to not do what I'm doing. So um, I think the thing that scares me the most is, um, you know, wearing a collared shirt in an office somewhere in front of a screen. Good man. Done Good a man. lot of that. Don't like it. Not um, for you. Not for me. Get itchy so. feet? Um, yeah, I, I, I like the change. I like the fresh air. I like the wind in my face. I don't really care what I'm doing when I get those things, but... Um, yeah, I think it's pretty good at the moment. Don't really see a need to change it. So, oh, I've got to be honest, mate. You're living the dream. <laughs> As it's moments. Yeah, oh, look, I know it does. We're talking know. about living the dream. You you were getting your pilot's license at once. Are you still looking into that? Uh, still doing that currently, yeah. So that's yep. sort of part of the sea change at the moment. So the boat idea was good. Um, but one of my issues is, is time away and, um, you know, that uh, inherent lack of flexibility when you have to use public transport, commercial air, that sort of thing. So a lot of the sites um, where I'm a pretty remote, they've all got bush strips. So, um, yeah, the idea is sort of get the pilot's licence and start flying myself into sites. So Fixed wing or chopper? Fixed wing for, yeah, okay. for me. So, yeah. yeah. That's what we're yep. talking about, those Alaskan mogs, whatever they're called. What are they? Oh, mate, some of those bush planes are amazing. <laughs> aren't, aren't they what? Oh, yeah. yeah. 100 metre takeoff yeah. or 30 metre takeoff, some of them. Is enough. it really? Is that what yeah. they've gotten down to yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. Wow. They've got, they got wheels, wheels about medium big, about two yeah, metres yeah. around. Yeah. <laughs> they're just they're the same sort of landing distance too, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, yeah. 
Nothing. Yeah. Coming no, to no. a standstill before they hit the ground. Nothing at all. Requires a bit of talent, which I certainly don't have. But um, I don't see yourself short. Yeah, well, <laughs> you haven't seen my landings. <laughs> <laughs> They're bouncy. <laughs> Look, mate, I've got a five-acre paddock out the back. We'll see if you can pop one down in there for us. Yeah, yeah, well, I might be able to crash land it. Yeah, just watch out for the Mrs. Horses, all right? <laughs> It'll be a, uh, that'll be a bit of a game changer, wouldn't it? Not having to travel, so not having to be reliant on other forms of travel. I think so. Look, I'm big on the idea of autonomy. So Mm. not being reliant on other systems to make your things work. So, um, you know, we live off grid um, where we are, which I Yeah, we do. Um, Which I I really like. And, you know, I like being able to get everywhere I need to get on my time frame. So, yeah, I think that'll uh, certainly add to that sort of concept. Cool. Very so cool. how do you keep most of your like fridges and stuff is all off inverters and stuff through? Uh, yeah, so we um, we actually run a full solar battery powered off grid system. Um, all our water comes off the block. We've got two creeks and then stored water off rain. Um, yeah, and then all the sewage and all all the services to the property are on the property, so we're not connected at all. Um, and then yeah, fairly enhanced sort of um, diesel backup system as well. But yep. um, yeah, no, it's we've got. Same as any normal house, so you're yeah, still... Well, all the visitors come visit you when <coughs> cyclones hit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We can still run an air con. We've got freezers. We've got fridges. It's always cold. It is the way forward at the moment. I, I think, um, you know, I, I'm very biased, but, yeah, I, I think so. Like, it's, mm. um, it's refreshing to not be reliant on a grid that fails and a grid that's really expensive. So, mm. and, and the expense is the big one. You, I think you so, look yeah. at what, what we're paying for power now, not just in North Queensland, but Australia-wide. Yeah. It's it hurts. It hurts the back. All, the, all they've done is they've they've made we bought solar panels and they're like, all right, let's offset that, and that's what the price you're going to pay now. If if, if people haven't got solar panels on top of their house, you're yep. just paying like way more. Yeah. Yep. But still, it's you're still just paying through the roof, even if you've got solar panels. So you've got uh, own power, own water, yep. own meat, yep. veggies. You got a green thumb or what? Um, if I had more time, I'd have a green thumb. Yeah. It, um, it is, and it's time. You've got to have that half an hour a day to dedicate. You've got to be at home. Yeah, you yeah. do. It's hard to grow when you're not at home. So, yeah. yeah. And I think, too, when you when you look at what you pay for veggies at, at Coles or Woolies, or it's almost It's going to be worse soon with this. It's going to be worse. So look, it will be, but it, it's even for what we pay now, it's almost hard to grow it for that kind of money. That's right. I mean, you can Yourself? just pull up at Brenda's stall down the road and grab what you like. like at, That's uh, exactly right. Yeah, go local, there's plenty around. So. Frog on a log. And we're very fortunate up here. That's right. We can grow anything. Yeah. You know, there's, uh, when my wife and I decided to move to this area, one of the big draw cards was water. Yeah. Because water's becoming a fast, you know, it's, it's not an endless commodity. Whereas no, here in right. North Queensland, we've got plenty of it. That's right. That's so right. It's we get a wet season every year. We've got plenty of creeks and rivers. We've got bores and all that sort of stuff. There's artesian water. A lot of places around the country. Well, I won't say that at the moment because there's plenty of places around the country at the moment. That are <laughs> That's water, right. so. Everyone's got water at the moment. <laughs> you folks over in the Fitzroy Crossing that are listening, apologies. <laughs> apologies. But fill some buckets up while you're at it, all right? <laughs> Make it last a while. Excellent. Excellent. No, so we might as well end up with uh, what's what's one here we can say at the end. Uh, uh, Nathan met this um, little bit of an episode here today. The shit cunt of the week. Shit cunt of the week, and this actually affected Nathan on the way yes, here, didn't it? It's the the it roadworks on Henderson Drive. Yeah. <laughs> the person who ever let them go forward. Is when did they the start? Sh- How long have they been going for? November. They started. So they should then- be finished in November. Yeah, it's only about a, what, 
800 meter long strip. Oh, not geez, even. I don't think it'd even be that yeah. far, would it? No, and they've what have they done? I haven't been past that. They've rotary hoed up one side, put gravel yeah. down, and yeah. then they've just put lights in and left it since November. And it's one of the main arteries for it's a B double route. It's handy. So it's handy. I'm nearly tempted. I'm not. If someone does it, they'll probably come get me to just <laughs> get all the because the gravel's there. Get all the signs, put them off to the side of the road, still do 60 signs, leave all them there, and just let everyone drive on the gravel side as well, and it's a two-lane road again. Well, I've said it for a while. The Bruce Highway tends to end at about Gympie, and then the go track starts. (laughs) (laughs) And it it goes all the way through to, well, Cooktown, really, doesn't it? Actually, all all I'm hearing here is you're an advocate for a North Queensland, far North Queensland state. Absolutely. Yes. How have we not done it yet? Just where would you where would you make the southern boundary though? Ooh, Mackay? Exactly. Would you include Mackay no, to I make it the arse? Townsville. Townsville? So yeah, go no. air. Air. So air's the border. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. There's something oh, in that. I don't know. Why don't you just make a little enclave of southeast Queensland so they become their own little thing and then everyone else regional <laughs> well, look, gets that, And that's probably more the point, isn't yeah. it? You know yeah. what I mean? Because that's all the they equation. get. I know. No, so many, you know, some, some ridiculous percentage of yeah. Queensland is and that so, southeast corner. Like we're saying, Gympie, Gympie North then. Gympie yep. North. Yeah. Give, give them 10% of the funding, we get 90%. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's got to be it done. It just goes off square kilometres. Yep. <laughs> Who cares how many people live there? <laughs> Couldn't agree more. They got Uber helicopters now. They'll be able to fly around the cities in the helicopter soon. Well, I know, I know a bloke that's getting his pilot license. <laughs> He's got a mog. He's got a mog. <laughs> he can fly us around. <laughs> Excellent. All right, mate. Well, thanks a lot, Nathan, for coming in. And um, well, we'll definitely have to get you back because I don't reckon we just scratch the surface. We s- <laughs> nah, there's plenty more crap we can I talk about. I feel like it, and I, I feel like we're going to have to do a day out on the reef soon. That sounds like a horrible, horrible thing that we should absolutely do really shortly. Well, look, mate, it's a, it's, it's shit house, but someone's got to do it. Well, well, I've been looking at the weather. Gonna... The weather's going to shit this weekend. Oh, yeah. look, it kind of has. It's been wet, but it's not blowing. I was out no, there yesterday, well, and it's look, not it bad. It looks like it's coming up. Oh, is it? The rest of the week, yeah. Mm. Of course it is. Right in time for your weekend. Yeah. Ha ha. I got out, <laughs> and you didn't. <laughs> Friday to Sunday, that's all I pretty much, if I can work, get everything done by Thursday, I can do a Friday, but... Yeah. But that's why we live up here. That's right. When you've got that on your doorstep. Five to ten knots, you find time. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Monday morning, I'm looking at the weather, what's going on Friday. Planning planning the (laughs) week ahead. The week is like work around to see what we get on Friday. So uh, Tony's got his uh, back reef sessions that he does on YouTube, so I reckon we might have to make an episode of it. I reckon that sounds like a good one. Find that five to ten knot window and. um, Yeah. And then we'll bring the bull sharks and Nathan can shoot them. <laughs> Let's not bring the bull sharks. Yeah, just maybe maybe we'll just... no, no, he's going to bring his three away now. <laughs> Powerheads. Powerheads. We'll keep one on the belt. Actually, I've just got to bring up um, the 308. I've got a 308 and I didn't know how to really use the, the thing. And um, I bought it from a shop that gave me not too much knowledge on how to use it because uh, they're, they're a specialist gun. Mm. <laughs> and it's a. Um, and I end up. That's how I got in contact with Nathan. I contacted him on Instagram, and he knew all about it. He's he's sponsored by the company, and he did really well. He and the company is thrown out there. If we're going to throw it wedge out, wedge tail. It's a wedge tail. It's Australian made gun. Australian made. It's a th- semi-automatic 308. So it's um, classed as a very dangerous gun. But if you have very dangerous 
uh, feral animals that are going to push the Panama TR4 through your property, you want to be able to drop them very quickly. So if a mob comes through, you want the whole lot, not just one or two. So that's what that gun's made for. And you can get hold of us on our email, our uh, Instagram, and we can point you in Nathan's direction for any queries and that sort of stuff. Oh, well, just have stuff. a look at his... Uh, you've got YouTube as well and Instagram. Yeah, I've got a little bit of social media going on, so um, just FVR Contracting on Facebook or FVR375 on Instagram and, yeah, Feral Vertebrate Reduction Contracting on uh, YouTube if you want a bit of dead cats and aerial shooting that's uh, probably where you got to go the, the best part is i was telling joy about this i said i love it when you watch the videos and he's just before he shoots the cat he goes meow and the cat looks it's amusing and effective <laughs> uh, well everybody needs to have a good pussy catch cry don't they <laughs> Nathan. So, so someone was going to try and go there. I just wasn't sure how that was going to It was gonna always going to be me. It yeah, was yeah. always going to be me, man. I apologise in advance. I actually apologised last week to our, yeah. our, our listeners. I said, there's, there's going to be some crass jokes here. Most of them are going to be me. Yeah. Tony's got the shit dad jokes. Yeah. I just got the filthy ones. Yeah. But, mate, it's been a pleasure. No, thanks Thank for having me. Thank you very much. And uh, we shall see you out on the water in the not-too-distant future, Ari. Sounds bloody good. Sounds like a go. Talk soon. Too right. All right. Thanks again, Nathan Ravenscroft. FBR375 on Insta, Feral Vertebrate Reduction Contracting on YouTube, or just write FBR Shooting and it should pop up on your YouTube. Next week, it'll be just me and Joy talking bulk smack, just to let you get us know. Just to, I can't say this. Just to let you get to know us that bit better. Holy, how hard is that to say that? Follow this uh the pub ammo on your apps leave a review most importantly just share it with the mate let's help um shorten someone's shit day by just taking them out of their own head i reckon and i uh, also go to instagram uh pub ammo instagram check it out um we're only fresh on there so there's a just give us a follow and um i'm gonna put a few clips up there so hopefully it makes your day so toru thanks everybody